Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Rugby Podcast with your host, Mark Kennedy. I'm joined again this week uh, by Liam O'Brien. Liam, how are things? Good, Mark. Good, Mark. It was a very busy weekend in rugby and all fronts. I suppose we can have a bit of a review of last weekend, round 18, the URC, the inaugural URC regular season concluded. And uh, last week, uh, Liam, we, we talked about playoff permutations, certain results going against certain teams. But we had to kind of wait until the final fixture of the URC calendar to see. I, I think it's probably kind of maybe kind of an upset given the Leinster side that was out. But uh, all credit to Leinster Rugby defeating kind of a pretty loaded Munster Rugby uh, set up 35-25. Uh, what were your reactions, I suppose, to the performance uh, of Leinster, but also of Munster? Oh, look, Le- Le- Leinster started as, the, as they meant to go on and they, they laid down their marker, didn't they? I mean, to get a, a try after a minute and 15 seconds, um, uh, Scott Penny. So, I mean, and then like, it's just, it, it never let up really, you know what I mean? And while we were kind of in it in the first half, in all fairness, I suppose really come the second half, 10 minutes second half, when Leinster got a few tries there, penalty try, uh, and that was kind of it then. Like, really, you know, we were playing catch-up. And the thing is, we can't play catch-up. We can't go 10 points down or 12 points down. Realistically, that's it. It's all over. We need to be at least kind of the way the way we the way we were set up and the way we play, we need to be kind of a few points in front and defend that. So that that's kind of... But uh, it, there's huge implications here for Munster Rugby, like financially. Uh, we've we've just lost out on a, a, a potential home uh, and a, a semi uh, and a, a semi final, yeah, a home quarter final, semi final. So I mean that's that's colossal as well, and it was all in our hands and we just blew it completely in that game. I think I agree with you 100% here, Liam. I think we blew it is probably the understatement, but I think psychologically and mentality wise, this Munster Rugby team and organisation really need to have a big, big assessment in the off-season. Again, it's another opportunity. We talk about this an awful lot in this podcast, team regarding end of season, the business end of the season, getting it right. There is absolutely no excuses for this Munster Rugby performance from where I stand. Just literally, they had the bye week, unexpected bye week after the Toulouse loss, where we lauded them in terms of the heroic display, the performance. I just would like to know, what went on in that Munster rugby training paddock for the two weeks to this Leinster rugby game? Because to me, even though there was one or two good positive moments in the game, it just felt to me that even fitness, the, the sharpness, the alertness of the Leinster rugby guys that were on the field, it was chalk and cheese. You know, and particularly as we said at the start, the restart at the start, I mean, really does set the tone. And uh, in fairness to Frawley, you know, spots big massive space out wide. For Scott Penny to score, and we never really recovered. I've seen Chris Farrell's comments in the press this week. You know that we were being bullied. Bullied? Why? I mean, look at the Leinster rugby side. No disrespect to any of the Leinster rugby guys that represented Leinster last weekend, but these are not like full-blown internationals that we're dealing with here. It just feels to me psychologically and mentally, this team have a massive mental block when it comes to Leinster rugby, and so approved again last weekend. Yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely spot on there. There's definitely it has to be a mental block there. Um, certainly when we get to the business end of the season and are against the top five six teams in Europe, but yeah, against against Leinster, I mean these are Leinster young bucks. Some of these lads are just out of AIL. The the, the way that they performed suggests that they they're all in sync exactly between in the first team squad and the academy and the same playing style. Get, they get the same coaching as well, that's quite clear. I mean, who is Rob Russell? <laughs> that is a good question, you know. Who really is Rob Russell? I still don't know where he's come from. Cormac Foley, you know, excellent as, as part of the last few games. And we have our... What I'm trying to figure out is we have our own young lads, very, very good young players as well. And they've kind of proven that over the course of the season, more so maybe than some of the senior players. And why is it that collectively that team did not perform at all in that game? And, you know, really in the second half, it was quite pathetic to see us just um, one out runners again, revert to type, 
and we, we realistically weren't going to have any chance of clawing back that 10-point deficit. Yeah, there was some, let's be honest about it, there were some positive moments, particularly with the Mike Haley try. There were some nice interchanging moves there to kind of get the opening try. But in fairness, like, as you say yourself, uh, Liam Foley at nine, I thought was an absolute outstanding find here for Leinster on the night. And I mean, the link-up play for his try was nothing short of sensational. It really exposes our three quarters in terms of defensive reads. But I mean, it's the speed, it's the precision of the passing from that Leinster, um, the Leinster three quarters really opening it up. And I mean, we never really saw much of that from a Munster rugby perspective. And look, we had marquee names out there at 9, 10, Murray, Carberry. We really did struggle an awful lot to really break any kind of gain line or any significant line breaks. I thought Leinster were absolutely superb from 1 to 23, really, on the night. And uh, it does kind of raise a few questions, even kind of Van Gran leaves for bat rugby. But what mental scars this is going to... I mean, again, I'm continuing to mention this mental, psychological effect, but this has a massive damaging effect. I mean, if you're a senior marquee player in his Munster rugby setup, realistically, it's looking a bit of a long way off for any kind of sense of maybe winning any silverware anytime soon. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It puts us back from having... I, I think we mentioned that we had about four four really excellent games in a row there that we played to a really good uh, standard. And then we have this game and we're like almost back to square one again. Almost back to the, the start of the season. And like, what do we do? And it, it, you have to say the coaching is quite poor. You know, it, 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 that has to be a part of the effect. The whole Van Graan and Larkham just hasn't, hasn't clicked at all. And they're not obviously getting too much insight into how to play modern rugby, quite frankly, you know. Um, and there's also a lack of leadership. That, and that's been a continuous thing. I, I kind of know sometimes when the likes of Peter O'Mahony isn't about, that just the leadership is almost completely non-existent. And again, you know, the players have to maybe answer something for that as well when it comes around to that. The, the tries, let's be honest about it, for Haley and Murray were incredibly uh, opportunistic. <laughs> Is all I described them as, rather than any, you know, great pieces of play. And good, good on the lads for doing that. But like, if if you if you were to look at it that way, I just think that this season is pretty much over now. You know, irrespective of what happens uh, in the rest of the season, I, I think I think in a funny way, Ulster could could very well be beatable. But I mean, <laughs> do we really want to go to South Africa <laughs> or or face Leinster again? You know, it's it's so we have to start now, really rebuilding for next season and hopefully you know basically you're talking about july you've you've round three prendergast and leave me in place at that stage i don't think munster will want to see a blue jersey again this season to be perfectly honest Dean. that was just my assessment on it i think to be perfectly fair the ulster rugby game it's a one-off fixture i would think ulster would be pretty buoyed after that um, 24 21 win over the sharks Grant and Munster have gone to Kingspan, gotten a result. But again, it's different context, different backdrop here. Um, I would say if we were going in kind of off the Toulouse performance, we'd be kind of relatively confident. But again, there has to be a reaction off this player group. And it's very easy to kind of throw coaches and head coaches under the bus. I think players collectively really have to take and make a stand here. Now, granted, the young guns I thought really saw Alex Cadellan getting into the faces of a few Leinster players during the 80 minutes same at Witcherly again it was the young guns again really looking to kind of get things going I mean Jack Daly put himself about unfortunately an ACL injury here so it's a long road back for the Kerry native but again the young guns looked to impress I thought it was more maybe the more experienced more household names here and maybe there was maybe fitness issues on one or two of them that Van Grand goes all out here and maybe didn't pay off a little bit. I'm thinking of Andrew Conway here a little bit. You know, not much game time in recent weeks and then pulls up, unfortunately. But again, it's... Uh, yeah, I would be with you here, Liam. You know, we have to have a bigger picture here. The Ulster Rugby game, granted, you know, maybe a 50-50 call. But again, you'd be a brave man to kind of bet against uh, Ulster Rugby and Kingspan in a playoff uh, picture here. But... 
what happens post-season here, particularly if you're looking at front five options here from a Munster rugby perspective, I'm very scared in terms of the front row options that we have next season, Liam. Yeah, again, you know, um, I don't know, is it, is it uh, Van Gran or, or who is to blame? It's, it's obviously the organisation. We found ourselves now with, in my view, you know, Kevin O'Byrne um, was... Last season, he he was he was one of the best players at hooker, you know. I think it was he was actually yeah yeah he was actually uh on the team of the season at the URC or whatever it's called at the time Pro 14. He's been let go now. He didn't seem to have look in pretty much this season. Um and now we have John Ryan, of course, is 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 potentially one or two games away from departing as well. Uh, no real tight head replacement. Which amazes me, considering that Graham Roundtree was uh, involved with with Georgians, and he should have a good knowledge of some decent uh, upcoming props. Yeah, so that that's a huge. The whole front row thing is is a massive worry for us. Then it, we then we're we're looking at at um, halfbacks again, where I suppose the whole Joey Carberry should he be ten or should he be fifteen? essentially is 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 kind of popping up as a question there again um so massive questions really about what kind of uh players we will have and what kind of style we're going to choose as well the 10 jersey debate is going to be one that's going to rage on an awful lot in the off season you know we have uh, the situation here where jake flannery is off to ulster rugby best of luck to jake didn't really get a look in this monster rugby setup you also have the likes of Jack Crowley, Ben Healy here, champing at the bit to get more 10 game time. I mean, for Joey Carby, now I felt sorry for him in certain respects. The running lines on Saturday night, some of them were absolutely, you know, not up to standard, like guys miscuing running lines left, right and centre. You compare that with Leinster, just the cohesion. You mentioned at the start of the podcast in terms of the ethos, the vision, the execution up along. Like everyone is very familiar very comfortable with the system that Leinster play from seniors right down to kind of juveniles here and they play that same brand of rugby I mean again you can't really throw a coach if players are literally miscuing running lines missing tackles and I mean there were so many instances of missed tackles I mean Larmer runs for 102 meters here how many players did he actually beat on the night I counted it probably at least 16 you know just some of the tackling, you know, was just not up to standard. And I think there has to be a response from this player group. But I think, to be honest with Roundtree, I hope he sees this, he bottles this up and makes some strategic decisions. I think one or two of these squad members have, dare I say, kind of, um, and they need to be kind of shown the road, to be perfectly fair. You know, it's performances like this really have to be magnified during end-of-season reviews. We thought the Toman Park Denster rugby loss was a bad one. I think this kind of usurps it 10 times over just in terms of the personnel that were involved here. I think it's just the mentality and the mindset. Really, nothing has changed here from a Munster rugby perspective. And I think that comes from the top down. And I think from a Munster rugby perspective, as soon as the regular season, the playoffs finish, there just needs to be a complete and utter refresh, reset on what they're doing. From everything from the day-to-day running of this organisation, to everyone, personnel, kitmen, groundskeepers, everything. There just needs to be a complete and utter reset in terms of what they're doing at the moment, because it's obviously not working uh, here, Lee. No, it's not It's not working. And the thing is, like, you see, you can't get away with it. There's no doubt about it. In the league, you know, in the URC, you can definitely get away with it against other, 60, other, other 15 uh, teams. Like, recently against probably 10 of them, 11 of them, you can easily just turn up almost like from Munster, you know, and, and, and beat them. But when you when you get to the business end, we're, we're continually uh, lacking. I mean, what I found horrendous, I never thought I'd see it in professional rugby, but guys were actually running into each other. Munster players were actually running into each other, which I don't know what that says in a second. I, mean, I was just shocked. I mean, you wouldn't see... You wouldn't see Zebra or Card if you even do that, like. I mean, I was like, what's going on here, like, you know? I mean, as you said at the start, it's like there was zero preparation or or very little um, kind of intensity anyway in their in training uh, in the weeks from, say, Toulouse up to up to now. 
like Chris Farrell was at pains to point out in the press briefing this week that look, the playing group have had a good long hard look at themselves. They broke into their you know little groups and had you know called people out and all this sort of stuff. But it's just to me, it's preparation. It's just the execution. It's the mindset. It's did we feel kind of going in here? Um, yeah, it's just. The start of the match, really, for me, Liam Reid, it set the tone here. I mean, as you say, Munster do struggle when they have to kind of really play catch-up. But I thought Leinster, from minute one, just were at the pitch of the game. You know, their kind of tackle count here was 180 versus 110 uh, for Munster. And I suppose Munster can kind of point to me to say, look, we did an awful lot of good things. We yeah. ran for 493 metres, but there was 246 passes on that versus 137 passes. Uh, for Leinster, but 345 metres. So, I mean, from that perspective, there was by and large good possession there from uh, from Munster. But again, there was very scant. I mean, the Murray try was very opportunistic. It was very kind of, you know, ball bounce in the air. And Fairness Murray was very eagle-eyed and got the touchdown. But again, straight off the bat, we were just literally on the back foot, culminating in the, the penalty try that Frank Murphy gives. You know, Niall Scannell literally... Components maybe probably a, a bad day in the office for him. You know, he gets in and then Rory Lachlan, a lovely flowing move from Leinster, spreading Munster all over the place defensively to really kind of make the game pretty much safe after about 53 minutes. So I think from that perspective, the game was well and truly over. And I think if you were the Stormers and Ulster and the Bulls, you could literally pop the champagne corks right there and then. Yeah, I mean, I mean OK, there was no crack and try you scored, actually, you know. I mean, the, the, the most obvious one is... I suppose the one from um, Foley, yeah, that one there. But uh, the try for Jack O'Donoghue, it was involved in. That was a cracking try. That was actually a cracking try. Probably maybe the best, the best try tonight. So, so again, it kind of shows we can do it in in patches, doesn't it? Um, so that's the kind of thing. Yeah, I suppose the key thing is to remember is that we had sixty one percent of territory, and we had. 59% possession as a Leinster had 41% possession. So again, I suppose it does all bind that ball down to what you do with the ball when you have it. Leinster were quite frankly, I I, I, I thought they were kind of always smiling to themselves, um, particularly in the second half, they were just, they didn't even have to soak up, they just had to stand there, quite frankly, you know, yep. and make a tackle. Uh, and that's the thing about it, like, so you can, they can make all the tackles they want, but Munster weren't going anywhere, and Leinster knew that. Yeah, it's the mentality, again, you can have as much possession as you want here, Liam, but if your mind is frazzled, if you're absolutely rattled from minute one, you know, literally Leinster, as he said, just had to really make the tackles. There wasn't anything really innovative or creative coming from Munster from an attacking sense. You know, it was just very lateral most of the time. There was that cameo particularly in that first half, there was a few nice uh, Tom O'Hearn, there was a few nice little off-the-cuff off the passes, stuff like that. But again, where did it go? It didn't really go anywhere. It just went very lateral. I mean, Chris Farrell will try to kind of gain a little bit of kind of drive momentum with a few of his drives. But again, that was few and far between. Uh, I mean, Dan Goggin was taken off 51 minutes. Rory Scannell comes on. But again, didn't really affect much in the changing of the game here, I mean, Andrew Conway and for 63 minutes, really didn't see much ball at all, really, to be perfectly honest. I mean, the, the cameo was probably Jordan Arrow, really, wasn't it? Um, Just for Leinster, just, he just enjoys playing Munster rugby from start to finish. Like his career was defined in Tom Park and St. Stephen's Day a few seasons ago. But whenever he sees that red jersey, he just literally expresses himself again. I mean, he maybe had a few nervy moments with a few aerial bombs early, but my God, once he got ball in hand here, uh, Liam, he was just ferociously impressive in terms of everything he did. And I mean, I think seen some social media commentary here that he should be in line for the 23-man squad, but it's just showing here in terms of Leinster Rugby's match day squad um, options here that maybe Larmer is probably going to be sitting in a stand in Marseille on Saturday uh, looking at a match. That's an enormous statement to make, like given his performance here last Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Incredible performance. I just thought it was, it was, a, it was a joy to watch his ring lines. And I think the thing is too that with Larmer, that he, he has that freedom at full back that you obviously wouldn't have on the wing. So he, he can actually just literally take a ball and just, just fly it, like, you know. But he still has, even even on Saturday, you know, clearly uh, he's not really up to it in terms of high balls. 
and a bit bit dodgy there. And that's always going to kind of hold him back. So so in, in essence, he'd be better as, as a winger, I guess, in a, in a, say in a 23-man uh, squad. But then, you, again, you have Frawley, you know? Frawley yeah. is probably, like, <laughs> uh, the ultimate, like, you know, because, quite frankly... He's probably he could be he could even step up to be second choice out half. He's at twelve. He's just classy footballer. Um, he made two of those tries. Um, and then you have the likes of um, McCarthy, Joe McCarthy, Josh Murphy, massive. You know, Ryan Baird. You know, <laughs> because if it's going to be if it's going to be Ross Maloney and uh, James Ryan starting, so you have incredible uh, options there off the bench. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing, wasn't it? I mean. All that Leinster, like Munster were bullied. Let's brutally frank about this. Munster pack were bullied. Now there was resistance there from like said Tom O'Hearns and Finian Witchley's and Cadellans and stuff like that. But again, for the most part, collisions were being won. John McCarthy was phenomenal. I thought throughout, you know, the work rate, the tackle count. Then you look at like said Ryan Baird. Like I mean, switches in from six. He can play seamlessly at second row. You know, eighteen tackles. Scott Penny scores. He's tried twenty tackles. Max Deegan, we haven't even mentioned Max Deegan here. I mean, what a quality footballer. But again, you know, up against Caelan Doris every day of the week in training sessions. It's just, it's that kind of, dare I say, conveyor belt of talent here that's there. Um, incredibly. I mean, Alex Soraka comes on, makes an impact, you know. But again, this was kind of maybe an emotional fixture for some of the Leinster rugby players, particularly Sean Cronin. He's kind of retiring. Um, you know, uh, it was very much a poignant day for him. Same for likes of Peter Dooley, Josh Murphy, Adam Byrne comes on. I thought he had played an absolute stormer as well. Um, so I think from that perspective here, Liam, an awful lot of that squad had a little bit more added motivation. And with 32,000 supporters paid in in the Aviva Stadium, again, that already score really buoyed their confidence no end. And I think, to be perfectly honest, Leinster are the blueprint. Um, they are the barometer. They are the standard bearer here of this URC and I think it shows yet again to Munster Rugby what they need to do. They're miles off it in terms of being anywhere in contention. So, yeah, there needs to be real kind of soul searching in that Munster Rugby organisation, as I've said, literally from top to bottom. Uh, and unless that happens, you know, it's all well and good installing a new head coach, coming in with a nice little take with Mike Prendergast or maybe potential Dennis Leamy, Andy Carrico. It's the same failings. It's the same player group here that have, can't get over that final hurdle, particularly in business end of the season, and particularly when they face Leinster rugby. So I think there's an awful lot of kind of questions to be asked. I do expect maybe a response from Munster against Ulster, but again, is it going to be good enough? I'm not sure. Uh, maybe, Liam, we can go to the Ulster rugby Sharks game. And we'd highlighted this as one of the games of the weekend, and it certainly proved that a very topsy-turvy affair, really. Ulster with some lovely cameos, good scoring um, chances created. But the Sharks never died here. And to be fair, it was kind of in the melting pot until the end. What were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, kind of, kind of cracking second half, all right, when the Sharks kind of kind of woke up. They seemed to be kind of like a thing that they need to kind of wake up in the second half to so realise, you know, uh, we're, in, we're in a game here. Um, yeah, so Ulster, you know, tremendous, tremendous start there, you know. They went, they went 14 points up in the first half. They played some brilliant rugby. Uh, McCluskey, powerful, just absolutely powerful carry. Balakum again was was to the fore, uh, and the back row Timoney just just powerful. It was a class. It was him. Even to be fair, even you know even the the halfbacks. Yeah, Cooney was was good and uh, ten. Billy. 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 Yeah, Billy wasn't half bad here. Um, it's interesting to see, you know, two fully loaded teams and the Irish team looked to be physically dominant as well in that first half, which I, I, I found quite interesting. Um, but in the second half, Sharks, um, they actually scored at the end, they made it very close, they scored the last two tries and to, make, to make it up to 24-23 and they had the ball uh, in the very last minute as well and... Just um just could couldn't couldn't get that extra score. I suppose the takeaway from it is that Ulster can be very good for a lot of the game, but then they have their periods where they kind of go to sleep and they can be definitely uh caught. I suppose a two loose game as well, you know. 
Um, this game, this is a game they actually got over the line. The thing then is that the Sharks, the Sharks, as I kind of said all season, I just feel they're they're not really a team. They're a team of individuals. Like on paper, they could be up there with Leinster, you know, in terms of the the quality of of, of players they have. They just don't show it as much as the other teams in the league. I kind of agree with you there. Now, I was very, very impressed by the Sharks when Connacht went to South Africa, particularly their pack. When the pack was on form there in that second half, they blew Connacht away. And to be fair, I thought it was a barometer, and I thought that would be, that was kind of uh, the sign of things to come. But I think Ulster rugby, in fairness, like for me, I thought Timoney, as you said, was absolutely outstanding. He's tacky count, he's work rate, ball carries, uh, defenders beat, was just phenomenal. And I think, to be fair, I forgot to say this. My cat was in the crowd in the Aviva Stadium. What must he have made of that Munster Rugby performance, and particularly on some of the marquee guys from Munster Rugby? If you're literally evaluating form right now, you know, this is a critical stage going into the New Zealand summer tour. And if Farrell is picking on form here, I think you'd have to look maybe at some Ulster Rugby and Leinster Rugby options particularly to be getting on a flight before uh, Munster. But I suppose going back to the Ulster Rugby, Timmy, amazing. McCluskey, you know what you're going to get from McCluskey. I mean, he's going to be all power in terms of his ball carrying and he's offloading as well. He loves to offload a ball. And he's going to be needing that, particularly when we get into the playoffs, particularly against Munster. And it'll be very interesting to see if Delende can come back in for Munster. I think it is required, along with um, Farrell. Because if McCluskey is there against Farrell and who else at 12, I think it could be a seriously long night for Munster rugby, to be brutally frank. Um I do agree with your point in terms of Ulster Rugby. They do give teams an opportunity to really kind of get back into games. This is no slight on Ulster. I think it's just the way kind of games have gone for them. They have had their massive periods of dominance, not really put teams to bed. And as you say, particularly that Toulouse kind of leg, particularly the away leg when they were uh, when they were a player. Again, that Troy right at the end really was one that would have grated a bit in terms of, you know, kind of closing out a game. Maybe there's a bit of a nose there. But again, I think all in all, uh, here at Ulster Rugby, securing third place in the URC standings, I mean, it's they're at home. They're going to be playing Ulster Rugby. It's an Irish Interpro, a full-packed Kingspan. And again, their only loss at home was to Ulster Rugby. So, I mean, there's going to be plenty of motivation here for Ulster Rugby to get the job done. And really, the tale of two teams, really, you know, one team with confidence going in and the other one backs against the wall, really looking for a reaction for themselves to see if they can kind of continue the season, which is Munster Rugby. So I think it's well set up for us to rugby, really, to kind of uh, maybe advance into a last four here. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I also have to point out, I don't think anyone has actually, even the media has pointed this out, right? We finished sixth in the table. Yep. That's where we finished in the table, which is... It has to be. We have to be honest about it. Is as bad as the time of of Axel, where we also think we finished sixth and just sneaked into sneaked into Europe for the following season. You know, mm. that's that's the state of it. I know. I know you could say we we literally are one or two points off pretty much all the other teams, but like we had so much opportunities to even get one extra win, which would put, have a, a shorter season away to the Ospreys or. Away to Connacht or away to um, Warriors, you know they they were all so winnable. Like that's the killer about it. Like, um, and that that's led to this point. But yeah, look, I think Ulster will definitely start as favourites. But for us, it can work one of two ways. We'll either go out with a whimper, pretty much like against Leinster, or we'll give the fight of our lives. And obviously, you'd be thinking. Hopefully it'll be the the latter. It has to be the latter, Liam. To be fair, it's not good enough. Just in terms, and, and as you said, they're sixth place. A league table does not lie at the end of a regular season. They're there for a reason here, Liam. And we were kind of exuding that. Yeah, look, could be a top two, could be a top three. The fact of the matter is here, Liam. There were three point three scores on the board, three tries on the board after you know forty minutes. Another try could have propelled us up the table to a home field advantage. And you say. Massive financial implications there from a Tone Park perspective after the Ed Sheeran concert, all that sort of stuff, more additional revenue. But then it's the seeding for next season and the Champions Cup. I mean, this is massive in terms of that. We could be getting a big pool of debt here. 
we mightn't even get out of an opening pool. So this whole lure of getting to the business end of a season could be even a little bit more distant, given that ramification of that result. I think that result has so much consequences for Munster Rugby uh, going forward that you know we'll only really know about it maybe probably October, November of next season when we see the draw that we're going to probably get in Europe. Really. Can, can I say something that I, 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 I thought I was noticing in the last few minutes of that game? Was the... Was the, 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 the table and the potential quarterfinals, were they relayed to the players on the pitch? Because it looked to me as if Munster, I mean, were well capable of, of trying for a drop goal, okay? A, because we weren't getting anywhere, but B, we were, we were, we were well in, in their half, right? Mm-hmm. And it didn't seem to be any sort of a, an effort made to do that. And I mean, I, to be honest with you, I'm even thinking... Were they kind of just uh, in the last few minutes? Did they just kind of say, "Look, we we potentially now have Ulster away. Let's not do anything. Let's not score." Maybe I'm completely wrong. No, right? yeah, but I mean, there wasn't much to really write home about from an attacking sense of Munster in that last twenty minutes here, Liam. So obviously they would have been fully informed of what had gone on, even at halftime. They would have known the key results here. Likes of the Stormers, the Bulls, they would have known what was what. They would have known what was required here to get home field advantage if need be. So I think, to be perfectly honest here, team, I think it was just that Linster was so superior on the night. And I go back to that rattled mentality. I don't think you know that even came into it. To be perfectly honest, I think they were just tail well and truly between their legs. You know, I'd love to say that oh they kind of played a maybe a cute one, but I don't think that was the case. I think it was that that Leinster side were just so far superior that that doesn't even I think come into the, the equation from my perspective. But um, yeah, I think from Ulster Rugby's perspective, set up nicely, it is kind of literally they have to kind of they will provide the plaudits, the, the merits of Munster Rugby. Munster have gone to uh, Kingspan and uh, gotten a result. But again, as I say, I think context has changed here. But I would hope that Munster Rugby do produce a performance, not just for the players and the management, I think just for the fans. The fans that turned out in the Aviva Stadium last Saturday night. It was a pretty lonely place, to be perfectly honest, after 53 minutes, I can tell you. Just to kind of see all the, the blue and people just looking around at me, kind of saying, what's going on here with Munster Rugby? I mean, they were surprised with the lack of challenge, the intensity, the collisions from Munster Rugby. And <laughs> I really had nothing to say. So I think, to be honest, I look applauded them off the pitch, Leinster Rugby, because I thought that was a great kind of morale booster heading into probably uh, that European Cup final. But uh, yeah, I mean, the playoff picture, Leinster 1, Stormers 2, Ulster 3, Bulls 4, Sharks 5, Munster 6, and then you had the two Scottish teams, Edinburgh 7 and Glasgow 8. So again, the playoff picture being Leinster entertaining Glasgow Warriors, Stormers playing Edinburgh, Ulster Munster, as we've mentioned, and the Bulls feed the Sharks. That'll be a fascinating matchup, and maybe we can have a preview on that in our next podcast here, Liam. But maybe we can kind of quickly turn our focus from URC from to the Heineken Champions Cup. Marseille, Saturday, and Leinster Rugby facing Ronan O'Gara's La Rochelle. I suppose, Liam, what are your initial thoughts? What's getting the juices flowing for you in terms of the matchups here? and uh, maybe kind of the tactics that maybe both teams will employ uh, on the final day. Uh, I'm hoping that Leinster get actually at least one t- actual test this season, because quite frankly, they haven't had anything at all so far. Even, you know, Leicester away was the first time I was thinking, yeah, they're going to really test them. This is going to be a really close encounter, but Leinster blew them away in the first half, you know. So in terms of this, I, I, I honestly think that La Rochelle had a sort of game to really trouble Leinster. And if it's going to be hot and humid, oh my God, yes, and <laughs> and and La Rochelle bring, bring their kicking game and uh, and the power game that they, they they clearly do have already, well then it, then we're in for some match. Absolutely, I'm hugely looking forward to to it. I mean, I mean, you even have that undercurrent of the the cute tourism of of Ogara, you know, <laughs> that suddenly you have the the man mountain that is Will Skelton was. Uh, had a season-defining injury a week ago, and now he's on came off the bench there last weekend. Um, you have Tawira uh, Kerr Barlow, two um, broken places in his arm, and he is going to potentially be wearing a special glove 
to, to have him play, you know. Then Victor Vito, O'Gara says, is clutching go for the final. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. He's going to be the first name on the team sheet, that's for sure. So these things are, are, are working out for, for La Rochelle in a way. For Leinster, I mean, you would think if they bring their A game that they will have like a probably 15-point victory, you know. We also have to be reminding ourselves that last year, Leinster played La Rochelle and were, were one of the few occasions where they were literally blown off the park, like physically. Now, granted, last year there, were, there was a number of guys missing. Chief among them was 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 Keelan Doris, you know. So a year does make a change. Uh, overall, I, I'm hugely looking forward to this final. Yeah, I'm you hugely looking forward to it. I mean, the press can't get enough of Ronan Agaris on bites at the moment. To be fair, and you know, there's a few niggling injuries there. Vito is probably the one serious concern. Went off early in that 32-13 win to Stade Francais. Um, that lifts La Rochelle up to fifth place in the top 14, which kind of pivoted enough as well. The one thing we cannot underestimate here, Liam, is the weather conditions in Marseille. If this was in a Twickenham or this was kind of maybe on the 18, 19, 20 degree temperature mark, I would be with you. Leinster by 15 going away. The fact of the matter is La Rochelle are very used to playoff rugby in this climate in it's going to be peaks and troughs is when you have your superiority, you make it pay. You can't go full 80 minutes intensity here. And I think Leinster are going to be facing their biggest challenge this season, not just the physicality challenge and the collision challenge that they've talked about endlessly in a few press briefings, particularly the likes of Toulouse. I think the, the literally the, the weather here, 30 degrees in Marseille, cloudy, humid, everything else i think it's it's very well suited here to la rochelle to really kind of pick and choose their moments really soaking up pressure but also with their pack knowing full well after last year they will have confidence in terms of turning leinster over particularly in the collision battle and i think from that perspective i think the likes of Kier barlow is probably going to be a key guy for la rochelle how he orchestrates this game i mean i think the early pack exchange is going to be phenomenal la rochelle not going to be asked twice in terms of testing out that scrum for Leinster Rugby. I mean, Toulouse definitely, you know, targeted it. And I think, to be perfectly fair, is Tyke Furlong going to be fit here? We're hearing an awful lot of positive musings here. But again, ankle injury, two weeks. Is he going to be fully fit? If not, Michael Adatola is going to be facing a huge challenge with La Rochelle. So I think from that perspective... If this becomes a bit of a dogfight, which I think it might do for about 50, 55 minutes, La Rochelle are well in this one, Lane. You know, and we can talk about West, he's kicking. It may not even come down to that. I think it might be just a case of, you know, packet dominance here from La Rochelle being that kind of that foundation stone for them and really playing the conditions, you know, because I think if Leinster are going to go all high intensity, from minute one, I think they're going to be an awful lot of sore, exhausted bodies after minute 50. And I think La Rochelle may have a bit of a chance here, to be perfectly honest. And I think it's that test, that battle-hardened nature here. I'm looking through the fixtures that Leinster have had in Europe. They've played Bath, they've played Montpellier, played Connacht. Leicester Tigers was supposed to be that key matchup. They had the game well and truly won after 25 minutes. And then Toulouse coming in after that Munster penalty kicks competition have they been really truly tested here in this european competition i don't think they have they're going to be asked questions here that they haven't been asked um by this la rochelle side and i think it'll be very tight uh fair and may come down to the last 10 minutes yeah and um it, it, it's interesting i mean like it, they, they also have a very good backline la rochelle they yeah. have botia uh the fijian flyer and dante you know yeah. who was like you know the best 12 inside centre in, in the Six Nations, right? And interesting, um, there's Jules Plisson, who is the, yep. supposedly the backup um, out half for La Rochelle. I mean, this is a guy who was, if I remember right, was like at Bordeaux when he was a, a French international. So he's he's quite a quite a quite a, a, a clever player himself. Another kind of a great uh, running out half essentially. So I mean. Maybe he might he might start, you know. 
So they they have options there, Rochelle, and they have a uh, yeah, they they have an all round game to trouble Leinster. Absolutely, and I think from a Leinster rugby perspective, I think the fascinating, you know, they're gonna look to provide the focal point. Sexton being that playmaker, a Ross Maloney interlinking play. We've all seen it. We've seen the passages of play. But again, if that breaks down, you, as you say yourself here, Bottia, La Rochelle will lap that up as well. They will hit tackles. They'll come out of their line early. They will smash. And if they win turnover ball, that could create try-scoring opportunities. So I think Leinster, like this is a final, it could be a cagey affair for the first 15, 20 minutes. I hope not from a neutral perspective. But I do see both teams really feeling each other out. I don't think this is going to be, you know, Leinster really setting the platform early. If it is, then it's a phenomenal statement of intent. But this is a cup final. I think La Rochelle and the conditions here as well cannot be underestimated. I think it's going to be very cagey, to be perfectly honest. La Rochelle, Ron Nagara knows Leinster rugby inside out. He'll have the tactical plan. It's really down to the players. And I suppose we have to come to penalty kicking. I probably said three minutes ago about the whole pack platform. But then again, if penalties are being created, La Rochelle need a consistent and reliable goal, field goal kicker. Really, is that happening at the moment with West? I don't think it is, to be perfectly honest, Liam. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think, can you see Ronan O'Gara maybe changing up in terms of uh, his uh, kicking options here for the final? Yeah, of course he can. I mean, I mean, I suppose the thing is, in, in France, they always have not just the option of out half, but their full back kicks and the scrum half kicks. That's just the fact of the matter as well, as they kick as much as the, the out half. So if, if La Rochelle have that option at, at full back or at scrum half, bring someone in that's what they might do you know and and keep uh, keep west because he, he has that that clever game he, he is a good running out half to be fair to him and it's it, it doesn't disrupt the team play as much by having him there and someone else coming a fullback so that's certainly an option and um, i think that Bree's still in i i don't know why he hasn't appeared in the last few weeks maybe he's injured but he certainly would have been an, an option there um, and even Plisson can play fullback as well. Exactly. So that's yeah. that's that's the, that's an option. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, because Popelan has been the fullback. He was the fullback for the Racing 92 game, and he did take over a penalty kick late in that game, that 2013 win over Racing 92. But the one image I had of that was literally Racing 92. They're pack imploding at a rate of knots, particularly in set-piece time, and also the mall for La Rochelle. And I think this is where Leinster Rugby's pack, like, they have had a two-week window here to really kind of analyse La Rochelle. They know from last season, but, like, you know, you're going to have an absolute massive unit here in La Rochelle looking to maul this ball to submission, to be perfectly fair. And I think Aldrich, guys like that, of that ilk, if Leinster don't get this right early, I think Wayne Barnes being referee, could be very impressionable very early on here to give penalties to La Rochelle. I think it's, I can't understate this enough, I think from a Leinster pack performance-wise, this has to be their best performance of the season. If not, then I don't think they're winning this final, to be perfectly honest. I know Stuart Lancaster says they have to be hitting an 8, 9, 10 out of 10 performance, but I think the pack have to be absolutely perfect on the day, just given the conditions and that set piece, it can't it can't be let down like they did against Toulouse. I think Toulouse left points on the board in that semi-final, particularly in scrum time. And I just have a few reservations here for Leinster, but again, knowing Leinster, they will shore it up. But again, La Rochelle have massive hope uh, in that pack exchange, I would think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, you, could, you could argue, yeah, you know, at scrum time, and particularly in your, in your cup, cup games that Leinster have, yeah, they've kind of come under fire, haven't they? Um, and as you say, if if Furlong is out, what a what a massive absolute blow. Jeez, I mean that could be like the swing of the final, really, you know. But they have so much options too, Leinster, you know, that that other teams have found out that you just can't plug one hole because another one is going to open up. That's that's how they play. I mean, whether it's um, set moves off Sexton or whether it's Hugo Keenan going on a brilliant run or. James Lowe taking up the middle, Keelan Doris, particularly Van der Fleer, running tremendous lines as well. Yeah, it, it's just very hard to come up with a game plan to totally stop them. And maybe one of the only ones is literally to 
drive their scrum into the ground, you know. That's the best bet I can see from La Rochelle right now. Now they're very dynamic when they can be, but I think this is Rod, this is going to be cup final. You have to be realistic in terms of what gives you the best opportunity to win a cup final. No one will remember Harlem Globetrotter offloading, even if it's a 16-15 and you poxed the final win. Nobody will remember the performance. It's just to get the piece of silverware at the end of the day. So I think from a Leinster perspective, I think the performance, yes. But I think, as I said, pack is paramount because they do have so many attacking options here, Liam. But again, it has to be a complete and utter all-round display here from Leinster. We know that their attacking play will be superb, but it is going to be La Rochelle are going to test. And you imagine a Nick Skelton coming on for 25 minutes, 30-degree heat. You know, that a guy of that size and physicality breaking the line, that could be a pivotal moment in the game here. Now, questions over Skelton. How match fit is he? I know he had a late cameo because Roger was kind of saying, oh, he's not going to be available. And then all of a sudden he springs him on when the game is well safe against Stade Francais. But again, there's going to be huge options off the bench here for La Rochelle. They are going to literally stack that pack. You know, that physicality is, that's the one thing I'm going to be looking forward to this. How that Leinster front five really, and I think Ross Maloney here is going to be a massive test for him. I think just in terms of line-out calling, and I think just overall game management and leadership within that front five, because I think it's a, it's a definitely one area I think that La Rochelle will definitely target, definitely line-out telling him as well. Yeah, but also I suppose I, ultimately we have to remember that, yes, the heat is going to get to, to Leinster in the second half, but, but Leinster have the bench, certainly I would say, that probably La Rochelle don't have, like Skelton aside. And and that also is going to be something that's going to be key, you know. Leinster will be able to replace their front row with, with as good a front row, you know. They will have um, half-backs to bring on. They'll have powerful f- f- um, second rows, back rows as well. I And that could also be a decider factor as well. Oh, that'll be massive. I think after 42, 43 minutes, you're going to see front rows even being kind of hauled off earlier because of the weather conditions here, Liam. You know, it's a cup final. Cup finals have a sometimes have a mind of their own, a fixture of their own. When you think form book-wise, this looks a routine win, but then all of a sudden an incident, an event early on really changes the fundamental dynamics of the game. And I just, I just have this nagging doubt here. You know, there's something here for me that's playing on my mind here in terms of Marseille, the conditions you know, an awful lot of things here are going to have to be right for Leinster Rugby to really win this cup final and, and you know what, I, I think they're a dangerous animal too, La Rochelle because I feel that they would have seen the likes of Clermont and uh, Stade Francais and other French sides and know that this is nearly their opportunity Yeah, their only opportunity you know uh, to get there because you, you can get there for a year or two and suddenly you're gone forever. So I, I think they'll look at this as being their defining time in European competition. And that's going to make them incredibly dangerous. I mean, you also have, what a back row, you know, with Liebenberg and Vito and, and Aldrich. And Aldrich to me is, is by, by far and away, he's the best eight in the world, you know. And he's an inspirational guy. You know, you talk about your, say, your Peter O'Mahony's, right? Or your Keelan Doris. This guy is in. I mean, he really is in that bracket. He's just mm. sensational. Oh, it's huge. That eight battle is going to be immense, isn't it? Keelan Doris there as well. I mean, some of the running lines that Doris and Aldrich will run during that cup final would be phenomenal. That should be coaching manual one on one for any kids that are playing the eight position. But as you say with Liebenberg, guys like that, it's going to be a phenomenal pack contest. That's what I'm more looking forward to. If it does kind of turn into a cagey affair. I don't know if teams will literally explode and try to expand. I don't think that'll happen. I just think the set-piece exchanges early on. You have Kelleher there. You also have Dan Sheen as well. That line-out has to really fire immediately for Leinster. Get good go good, good, good forward balls. So I think from that perspective here, I think it's nice to even poise. I think there's an awful lot of talking points here. And I think the team selection later on in the week will really prove a few things in terms of the dynamic of the game, how tactically... You could see maybe one or or the other team literally try to expose things. So, But I think there's an awful lot of subplots here. Um, I suppose, Dean, from your perspective, 
uh, get a call for you in terms of the predictions. Uh, who do you fancy at the end of the day after the 80 minutes in Marseille? Yeah, well, I, the heart says La Rochelle. I, I think, to be fair, a lot of Munster fans will be kind of, you know, the whole Raj factor was certainly um, be giving him, you know, big, big thumbs up, big support, and, and obviously against our, our rivals as well. But, like, taking everything in, into consideration, I think Leinster had enough to definitely get over the line. And, you know, again, they, they have the kind of uh, dynamic uh, replacements in the likes of Sheehan, even Alatoa, and, and um, in the back row, definitely to swing it in, in those last crucial minutes. So I, w- I would have to revise down my... my <laughs> After my thinking about it all, I'd revise it down a bit, but it'll still be a win by, I'll go seven points to Leinster. I'm probably leaning towards you. You're probably thinking the last 10 minutes, what's Mark actually talking about here? You're kind of thinking that La Rochelle's going to win this one. And I think they're going to be pretty close here, Liam. But as you mentioned, that's a great point in terms of their time to shine now. I think, you know, teams will have that three to five year kind of area where they need to be winning silverware, particularly in France, where it's very cyclical. In terms of you have to lose, you have Bordeaux, Begley's, you have Cass, you have Racing 92. You don't have that many opportunities really shine. So I think from that perspective, La Rochelle will be competitive. But I still think that Leinster rugby, now Furlong being fit, is going to have to be, it's a huge bonus for Leinster. If he, he can, even if he can do 40, 42 minutes, I think that'll be huge for Leinster. But if Leinster can get on front foot and start kind of uh, making things happen, particularly from like the Sexton, and literally ring rolls and henshaw. We haven't even mentioned them as well. I mean, three quarters boys. I think Leinster by six, but I think it's going to be a cagey affair. It's going to be one where the occasion really will really impact an awful lot. I can't understate or overstate the whole weather conditions here. It's that humidity. It's that temperature. It's going to be ferociously hot. And I think from a Leinster strength conditioning perspective, how they manage that, how they keep hydrated and the bench as well is going to be key. And maybe the bench is going to be probably the key. But if it's within three to five, going into the last five minutes here, La Rochelle will really throw the kitchen sink at Leinster. I think it's going to be a fascinating final, really. I suppose uh, maybe a quick prediction as well on the Challenge Cup. We haven't really mentioned it, but Leon and Toulon uh, are in that final as well in an all-French affair. Uh, who do you fancy in that one, uh, Liam? Toulon... You know, sometimes on their day, they look like as good as, quite frankly, any team in Europe. And even it's a bit <laughs> on on the burst, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I would probably have to go with Toulon. Um, just give them the, the win by plus six points, I reckon. Liam, we might leave it there anyway, uh, but many thanks for your time. It's going to be a fascinating weekend with those cup finals. And then uh, next week, we can have a review of the finals and also have a look at the URC, the inaugural playoffs, and see if we can spot any upsets uh, there. But until then, Liam, thanks very much. Thanks, Mark, for everything. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.